Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, January 19th. Happy Artist as Outlaw Day, which celebrates artists who swim against the culture and rebel against the conventions of our time, which could also be called Bible Y'all Paul Day and Bible Y'all Subscriber Day, too, for that matter. I mean, I don't know if something as lame as podcasting could really be called art, but the Bible certainly is. And you'd be hard-pressed to find a better way of opposing the beast system than reading the Bible out loud to roughly two dozen people over the internet. Because once you boil away the feathers, there's really only two belief systems to choose from. The authorized world religion of all them Davos types that says ye can be as gods, or the one that says, uh, no ye can't, ye are fallen sinners. But the for real big G God loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son to put an end to all ye foolishness. In this world, Christianity's about as outlaw as you can get. Of course, technically this holiday's about outlaw artists, of which the calendar people gave us a big old list, of which I immediately noticed almost none were outlaw. Every one of them towed the beast system line, except for a few, like Johnny Cash. Check this out. In 1955, when Cash was on tour with Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis, the Billboard Top 100 was all songs like Autumn Leaves or Mr. Sandman. Real mellow stuff. Then Cash shows up singing about killing a man just to watch him die, cutting off pieces of ears, and boys named Sue for Pete's sake. Then he gets saved and starts doing shows in prisons against the wishes of his label for no other reason than to minister to the downtrodden. And then later, toward the end of his life, he does these plum unnerving songs about Jesus coming around taking names and how God's going to cut you down. And I don't care what anybody says, Johnny Cash was the original punk rocker. And that's Outlaw. Our reading for today is Genesis 39.1-41.16, Matthew 12.46-13.23, Psalm 17.1-15, and Proverbs 3.33-35. So if y'all are ready... And speaking of outlaws and Jerry Lee Lewis, he was first cousins with Jimmy Swaggart, Mickey Gilly, and his underage wife. I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 18th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 37, 1 through 38, 30. And that starts with the story of Joseph. And verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. So finally, God gets his way. Israel is in the promised land for about 10 minutes. Because look what God does coming up next. And remember, it was prophesied already that Israel would be captive in Egypt. Well, what happens next sets off the crazy chain of events that brings that about. See, Jacob loved his 11th boy, Joseph, more than the rest of his kids. Because he was the son of his old age. He even made him a coat of many colors. And there's some disagreement on whether that was translated properly, but the bottom line is it was either nicer than anything his brothers had, or it signified royalty somehow, and that he was favored. Which made the rest of them jealous, and they hated him, because far as they were concerned, he was just a snot-nosed little kid, being second youngest and all. And wait till you see what playing favorites get you. So Joseph has a dream, in which his brothers were represented by sheaves of wheat, and all of them bowed down to him as if the runt was in charge somehow. And just when his brothers thought they couldn't hate him anymore, he comes and tells them about this. And they're like, nope, we were wrong. We can hate him more. (laughs) 
Then he has another dream about the sun and moon and 11 stars bowing down to him. And now he's done brought his parents into this. And he told his dad. And Isaac's like, son, you're my favorite, but none of that's going to happen. Just shut up and go check on your brothers in Shechem, where they're herding my sheep. And it's interesting that his first dream was about wheat, considering what happens later on, and that his second dream is celestial, which is similar to the imagery in Revelation. But we'll get to all that. Anyway, he goes to Shechem, which is about 50 miles or so away, but his brothers ain't there. So he asks around, and turns out they're in Dothan, Alabama. (laughs) They are not. Which is about 15 miles north. And I thought 15 miles south of Dothan was a little town called Rambo, which is barely a wide spot in the road on the Florida state line. But maybe they changed it. Anyway, he goes to Dothan, and there they are. But they see him coming and start plotting to kill him. And Reuben, of all people, sticks up for him and says, no, don't kill him, just throw him in a pit. So that's what they do. When he gets there, they beat him up and take his fancy coat that he was so proud of and throw him in the pit. A little while later, here comes a caravan of Ishmaelites. They're traitors, basically, heading for Egypt. And they figure, instead of killing him, let's make a little money and sell him to these guys. And somehow they end up going through some Midianite middlemen or something, but they get it done. They sell him into slavery. Now, Reuben's plan was to go back later and rescue Joseph and take him back to Dad. But when he did, Joseph was already gone, which made Reuben really upset. And the rest of the boys killed a goat, and they soaked Joseph's fancy coat in blood and told Jacob some animal must have killed him, which is ironic considering Jacob deceived his own father Isaac using his brother's coat and the skins of a goat. But Jacob was devastated, and the whole thing is very sad. Meanwhile, Joseph is taken to Egypt and sold to Potiphar, an officer of the pharaohs and the captain of his guard. So meanwhile, in chapter 38, about that same time, Judah goes into town and hooks up with a Canaanite woman named Ashua and ends up having three kids with her, which is against the rules. Israelites ain't supposed to mess with the Canaanites. And when his firstborn son, Ur, is old enough, he gets a wife for him named Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him, which is a movie I'd like to see, but we're not told any more than that. And apparently this was before having any kids with Tamar. And the rule is, if you die without having kids, your brother is supposed to marry your widow and raise up children in your name. The idea here is kinsman redeemer, which we'll hear more about later. So his brother Onan marries Tamar, but refuses to get her pregnant. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. So Tamar's self-esteem is just taking hits. (laughs) So Judah tells Tamar, just come live with me and remain a widow till my third son Shelah gets a little older. I don't want him to marry you just yet because I don't want him to die so young like his brothers, which I doubt Mary and Tamar had anything to do with that, but I also doubt Shelah wanted to get within 500 yards of her. But that was Judah's plan. Then Judah heads off to Timnath to shear his sheep. And Tamar's not on board with this. She figures she has a right to have some children, young husband or not, and decides to take matters into her own hands. Plus, some scholars think she knew the Messiah would come from the line of Judah and was trying to help God out which always gets you into trouble. So she goes to town and covers up her face with a heavy-duty veil and probably disguises her voice and pretends to be a prostitute and seduces Judah. And he offers her a kid from the flock for her services, but is like, I ain't got one on me. Can I owe you? And she's like, nuh-uh, give me your signet, your bracelets, and your staff as collateral. So Judah's like, deal. And they do the thing, and she conceives. And then she runs off back home and puts her widow's outfit on like nothing ever happened. Judah sends his buddy up there with the kid, but she's gone. And everybody around there is like, no, there ain't never been no harlot here. 
So Judah's like, well, let's just not tell anybody that I got scammed by a harlot and drops the whole thing. But three months later, Tamar starts to show. And somebody tells Judah she's with child by whoredom. And she's probably the one that started that rumor because this was her scheme from the beginning. But Judah's mad and says, bring her here and let's execute her. So they do. And she says, wait a minute. See this signet and bracelets and staff? These belong to the father. And Judah knew he was busted and acknowledged them and said, she hath been more righteous than I, because I broke my promise that I would give her to Shelah, my son. And he knew her again no more. It turns out she has twins. And while she's given birth, one of the babies sticks his hand out and the midwife ties a little piece of red rope around his wrist so they'll know which one is older. Soon as she does, the little troublemaker pulls his hand back inside and the other baby comes out first. So she names that one Ferez, which means breach. And then the one with the thread on his hand came out and she named him Zara, which means rising. And this is all supposed to be prophetic of how the elder will serve the younger, just like with Joseph. But we'll get back to that next time. The older serving the younger is definitely non-world conforming. And it's right there with the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The older brothers wanted to kill the dream as opposed to Rebecca trying to help God with his plan. God didn't need their help, but here we are. It could have been more glorious had they just trusted God could handle things. Rebecca and the brothers were blinded by emotion, but we have Romans 8.28 and God did work his plan, which means all things work for the good because he's faithful. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 12, 22 through 45. So while Jesus is going around healing people on the Sabbath, I think to rub the Pharisees' faces in his own deity, he heals a demon-possessed guy. And all the people were amazed and said, this guy must be the Messiah. But the Pharisees accused him of being possessed himself, like a Satanist or something, and said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, y'all don't know what you're talking about. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And then he doubles down again, says, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? He's basically saying the Pharisees are of the devil, which I'm sure did not make them happy. (laughs) Then he triples down again, and says, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, that means the kingdom of God has come unto you. And then he says, or look at it this way. How is somebody supposed to enter a strong man's house and take all his stuff unless he first bind up the strong man? Likewise, how am I supposed to cast out the devil unless I overpower him first? So who does that make me? Messiah, that's who. Mm. And y'all better get with the program, because he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. There's not a lot of gray area here. He says, look, I'm willing to forgive pretty much any sin or blasphemy. But what y'all are doing right now, the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, that is attributing to the devil those miracles which I gave full proof were wrought by the Holy Spirit, I ain't going to forgive that. So y'all are on some real thin ice. Then he says, whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. And I have this rule of my own. I never run down other ministries, even if I don't agree with what they're doing. And if I listen to a preacher or a podcast or something that does run other ministries down, I don't want to listen anymore. Even if they're running down somebody, I already quit listening to for running people down. (laughs) Like, for example, prosperity gospel. I don't agree with what the prosperity gospel preachers are doing. 
Not because I think that name it and claim it isn't biblical. It is, kinda. But there's way more to that story than the prosperity gospel preachers ever tell you. And if that's the only part of the word you ever feed on, that's hardly a well-balanced diet. That's like eating nothing but junk food. But don't get on your podcast and start judging these guys. Use your best judgment about them. That's not what I'm saying. Just don't be judgmental. There's a difference. That might be all the scripture a particular Christian can handle right now. And if we drive them away from that, they'll never grow into mature Christians. What I'm getting at is, words matter. So be careful you don't speak against the Holy Ghost without meaning to. And as long as somebody's not preaching outright blasphemies and heresies, then let them be. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, verse 34. Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And that's important. It's hard to hide what's in your heart for very long. Likewise, the opposite is also true. Make an effort to speak only good things, and good will eventually work its way into your heart. In 12-step programs, they say, fake it till you make it. It's the same idea. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. No pressure, though. Then the Pharisees are like, if you want us to believe you, why don't you show us a sign? Oh, you mean like that exorcism I just pulled off a minute ago that you didn't believe? Like that? Well, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he explains that he's a bigger deal than Jonas, and throws in Solomon too, for that matter. And he says, as long as we're on the subject, y'all are just like that demon-possessed guy. Because when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So it goes back to him and finds a house swept clean and invites seven of his buddies in there with him. And the guy's worse off than before. And that's going to be y'all if you don't get with the program. And that's where we stop reading. The Pharisees do us a great service by interacting with Jesus. They show us that signs don't matter to a hard heart. They show us that it is possible to read the Bible, even study it, devote one's life to it, and be hard-hearted. The author of Hebrews tells us to purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. These guys did not want to hear that. They had the living God, the Messiah, in front of them, but didn't want to see it. Unlike Abraham, they were looking for a kingdom and a Messiah of their own making. It's a relationship, not a religious exercise reading the Bible or studying it. We must have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. I mean, religious exercise is way easier, but not as satisfying. And I just want to say, too, that finding fault with our brethren, especially folks we don't know that have ministries, is the devil's work. If we know them, that's another story. We may have an obligation to do more than just pray. And in Psalms, we read Psalm 16, 1 through 11. And that's a mictum of David, which is a psalm that has a point, that teaches something. And the big idea of this one is, Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. I'm not anywhere near as good as you are, God. And anything I have is by your grace. And I'm grateful for your looking out for me. Thou wilt shew me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. And I'm going to paraphrase verse 8. I keep the Lord always before me. He is my right hand, so I will not be moved, making my heart glad and resting in hope. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 3, 27 through 32. And I'm not going to read all of that again, but he's talking about how to treat people. And the way you treat people is good. Don't cheat people. Pay your bills. Don't be hostile for no reason. 
because people like that are an abomination to the Lord. So verse 32 from the Young's Literal Translation, God shares his secret counsel with the upright. So don't miss an opportunity to do right by those that cross our path. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 19th is Genesis 39.1 through 41.16. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her, or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got him out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me, and fled, and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her, until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, and shewed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did. The Lord made it to prosper. Chapter 40 And it came to pass after these things, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them inward, in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season inward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night. 
each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and shew kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree. And the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. And he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Chapter 41 And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Our reading in the New Testament for January 19th is Matthew 12:46-13:23. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Chapter 13 The same day went Jesus out of the house, and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places, where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him it shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saying, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receive it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth, some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Our reading in Psalms for January 19th is Psalm 17, 1-15. A Prayer of David Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. 
Thou hast tried me, and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Shew thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by the right hand them which put their trust in thee, from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure. They are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. And our reading in Proverbs for January 19th is Proverbs 3, 33-35. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. And that's that for the 19th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Job 13.15, which says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him but I will maintain mine own ways before him. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on hope in devotion because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, when things seem hopeless is when we should most remember that we can count on you. Even Job, who even though he had every reason to, never lost hope. His faith remained so strong that he knew even if it was your will for him to die, that only meant he would see your face that much sooner. Indeed, he looked forward to giving a full account of his ways before your throne. May we all demonstrate such devotion, Lord, and know there is no reason to fear the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be some kind of help to them in some kind of way. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squaw and all our friends and family. And whoever's praying about my health troubles, keep it up because I'm getting better. If you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just don't make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And when his firstborn son, Ur, is old enough, it says wifey. (laughs) Did you do that? No, I didn't. It's supposed to say wife. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can't do it without laughing. Okay.